Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. Here is a question for you, Budgie. Oh, um, come on. Okay. Is there an unreleased album? This is from Edgar Amaya. And he says, is there an unreleased album or EP between Anima, Animus and High? If so, will we ever get to hear it? That's his question. Yes, that was a little blank space in my brain, <laughs> which you were li- listening to. <laughs> Along with me going, because it was whilst it was going anima animus and high, and in between was a blank space. <laughs> Is it Edgar? Yeah, Edgar. Oh, yeah. I thought it. I thought it might be Edgar. Edgar's always coming out with these amazing, um, you know, existential moments. Uh, the what the the lost the lost tapes. There the, is strangely there probably are there are there, there were a few things that never made it anywhere. Um. Uh, no, and will they see the light of day? Probably not. Mm. Um, but there's there. I've got lots of things on hard drives which never got to the point of you know. Let's put lyrics with this. Right. Let's like bring this into uh, contention for a track, and I think that's probably the, true of. Um, most of the banshee stuff, as far as I remember, creatures was more. Uh, any, anything made it on there. We really just like started with, the, you know, the simplest idea right. and it quick, quickly flash up into something we were really pleased about. Um, and it didn't have to get complicated, perhaps because there were only two of us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. 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 No, yeah. no, I say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's that blank space between the, you know, between one and the next. Right. And you think, yes, there are a few little gems. They could have been something. But is there a missing uh, album? No, is the answer, no. I'm afraid. Yes. We couldn't think of a title, so it just sits there. Okay. So here's a rather long, long one. So bear with me. Um, okay. I'm just going to settle down. Just get a little bit comfortable. Get comfy. Yes. This is from Thomas Jackson. And Thomas says, Jackson. Yes, very, very, very um, constitutionally. Hey, it's like two presidents. Sorry? Two presidents in one. There. Yeah, two presidents in one. Hello, Law and Budgie. Hello, Thomas Jackson. <laughs> I was recently on a long car trip up the eastern seaboard of the United States. <clears throat> I had the opportunity to listen to every episode of your podcast, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you. As a teenager growing up in the 80s, I discovered post-punk music on college radio stations in New Jersey and Philadelphia. Yeah. And if it weren't for these stations, I would not have found the music I instantly fell in love with during my formative years. The moment I heard The Cure and Susie and the Banshees, I knew that my musical life would change forever. However, as I aged into my 40s and 50s, I became more interested in listening to podcasts and interviews, sacrificing my time for music to listen to people talking. <coughs> oh, excuse me. You okay, lol? Yeah, I just, you know, yep. something went down the wrong way there. Yes. No, no, I've just said, uh, a sip of tea, sip of tea. Lol and I are matching mugs from the Staffordshire Pottery. Yes. Uh, Calico Burley. Yes. Let's get back to the question. Yeah. 
Um, says, your show, however, brought me back to my love of that era of music, and I've since gone back and listened to the catalogues of several bands, especially the Cured Banshees and the Creatures hmm. and others, and my love has been reinvigorated, not from a nostalgic sense, but from a musical perspective, especially since I picked up playing a guitar about 15 years ago as a hobby. I want to thank you for inspiring me once again. I apologize for this long-winded introduction, but I wanted to let you know yeah. how much your interviews, discussions, and frank comments resurrected my love. Isn't that nice? That's nice. That's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely. Thank, you. thank you very much, Thomas. My question to you is... Always oh, got a question. Got a question. At the end of that, there's a question. I thought that was it. No. So my question to you is this, yeah. which is actually a two-part yeah. question. As band members, how did you decide which songs were for B-sides, outtakes, and remixes from your albums. Although I love the albums at whole for the production and artistry, I've always been intrigued by those songs that did not make the cut. Do you have any favorites from those B-side songs? Thank you for your time. Tom Jackson, P.S. I'm writing from Florida. So there you go. Well, you can write in Florida. Yeah. It's okay. It's on, on the Eastern Seaboard too. Yes, it's allowed, I think. Yeah. That's nice. I, I like that, the memories of the Eastern Seaboard, yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. I remember the first time in Philadelphia. I remember that's the first Bruce Springsteen song. I probably, well, second Bruce Springsteen song I probably got to know. Love it. What a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. I'd say, first of all, it's probably the songs that you wrote and I wrote, lol. Um, yeah. <laughs> the ones that didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Hey, no. you know, when the drummer's got a song and everybody goes, yeah. I think it's time we went out for dinner now. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I, that question sparked up something I, I remember that I thought was <coughs> interesting. We, we went to France, to Paris, and uh, to Gay Parry, and we recorded the Love Cats, and we didn't really have a band. We had me and Bob, and we brought Andy along, mm. and we brought Phil Thornley along to play a bit of bass and to produce the songs. And we spent a week or so in Paris, sort of, you know, just we had that song, we had Love Cats, we had that, we had that version of it, you know. And I'm like, well, okay, Andy's playing the drums doesn't really sound like there's two, you know, there's a piano on here, but Bob's playing the piano. So I played vibraphone, right? Mm. So on that, which was, you know, kind of fun learning bits of that. And then we thought, well, okay, we've done that. We got, you know, we should really write something to go on the B side because we don't know what's going to be. So, so we pretty much, as I recall, just sat in the studio and bashed out two two songs, Speak My Language and um, Mr. Pink Eyes. And they were kind of like, you know, as I recall, made up on the spot. And and we just sort of went, like, one one was like, you know, uh, Mr. Pink Eyes was sort of kind of like in, insane, psychobilly jazz, you know, so it, it just got faster and faster and just, ended up in this huge mess and speak my language was kind of plaintive and i remember writing some words for speak my language so that was good and it it was very it was it was like i hear you discussing but where you say well you know with the creatures we get in we just go hey how about this oh yeah okay let's go with that unless we would do we would do some b-sides like that not everyone some some were a bit more you know planned but in general it tended to be like what have you got? Well, I've got this little bit. Okay, let's build on this. And uh, 
that's how we charged along. But I distinctly remember those two songs and how much I enjoyed making them. It gave the whole atmosphere of the of the the week in Paris, you know, as well as the <laughs> hotel burning down. Did I tell you that's that? lovely. The hotel burned down. We were in. Yeah, but did, was that never going to be like maybe a, some called smoke on the water or something like <laughs> it that? It could have been right. Smoke on the Seine. Yeah. No, they were chucking mattresses out of the the windows as we were coming back one night, and we realised, oh, oh, that'd have been a good one. Burning mattresses above the cats. Yeah. Are... <laughs> Yeah, save the cats. Say, love, yeah. Oh, hang on, yeah. That's a lovely story. The way it get, the, the the beginnings, the birth of the love cats. I love that. Well, it's funny as well because one of you know, and everything is all involved. Because one of my favourite pictures we ever took of the cure was the four of us walking down the street in in Paris, and it just encapsulates for me that whole week of of fun in paris making love it cats. sounds like love cats could be the theme as well if you had a little film of that time it would fit perfectly it yeah. sounds very parisian it was it was very parisian it could have been sung in a parisian accent yes. you know um, yes we look like a tiger i can't no, no, yeah. even bother mm. <laughs> the love cats <laughs> It has. A, that might have been just after I lived in Paris for a while as well. So yeah, you see, it's, it, it certainly has that flavour and mood about yes. it. I could see you with the beret and the moustache. <laughs> yes. The one that's got the curly bits at the side. <laughs> um, I, can, I think of two songs straight away. Yes. They both begin with C. Yes. Cannibal Roses and Coal Mind. Yeah. And I think Coal Mind was kind of came out of... We had to have a B-side for a song called Fireworks, which wasn't on an album. So we kind of kept doing these things were standalone singles. Um, so that was Coal Mine and Cannibal Roses. It may have been on Dear Prudence. I really can't remember. No, that was Tattoo and Planet in My Kitchen. So it wasn't Dear Prudence. Right. Maybe you, you could Google Cannibal Roses okay. for me whilst I, I natter. But um, the reason I like Cannibal Roses is probably a kind of strange time where I'd been away from the band and came down and joined them on that B-side session because to put it in a kind of context, we sp always put time aside to do the B-sides for a specific thing like you spoke about, the B-sides for, for Love Cats. Um, I love Susie's Yodel at the beginning of Cannibal Roses. And I always remember Frankie from my life with the Thrill Kill cult. Right. It's Frankie always saying to me, ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> At the beginning of Cannibal Roses. <clears throat> and he, I think he did it like he always wanted to do his own version of that Yahoo <clears throat> at the beginning. And I love the, uh, the, the what uh, what also tended to happen was I'd try, try something that I wouldn't do if it was on the album or something like oh, that. Right. So okay. I, I'd go in with an, uh, like an idea, <clears throat> like Susie would have the idea of no hi-hat or let's only play on the, t on the toms or, right. and that one, it was trying to do everything one, two, three uh, on whatever thing I hit, I hit it three times. Right. Um, and the bass drum was got like just going bum 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 bum, and it was um, a kind of a exercise and a challenge. It kind of took away its, any semblance of rock and roll. Right. So the B sides sounded much more pure to us, I suppose. And Coal Mind, I I love it, and I remember this one really well because after we'd finished um, probably putting down the tracks and maybe doing a rough mix, we came up to see you guys at Rack Studios. Right. right. 
we were down at uh, Workhouse in the Old Camp Road, and we were just doing that one track. And it, as I say, it was for the B side of Fireworks. Pretty dark lyric, right? And it's it's like a song about a dark mind. But I remember Severin's bass, which was like a one note thing, and uh, McGeoch doing his trick of the. I think he'd learned from uh, Helter Skelter, the Beatles, right? Which is detuning that E string down uh, to a low G, yeah. or maybe even lower. So it's just bow, and it's like out of tune. It's so floppy. Right. And I don't know how I did it, but there was some kind of, we we're talking about rudiments earlier, and there's like this shuffle. And it's, and it's probably to do with an effect on the snare drum and a slight repeat. And it's the smoothest kind of rolling sound I'd ever achieved. And I was so pleased with it. <laughs> And it was to do with circumstance and what was required for the song. Right. And it's just like this kind of shuffly beat, kind of shuka chuka 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 like a train. Yeah. And it's only there in the chorus. And then it's it's a song that comes together because of all the elements that people had in their, you know, you put your hand in your pockets and what do you pull out? You know, yeah. it's like a kid. Yeah. And whatever you pull out, that's what you use. Or so it's like rooting around in your brain and going, Okay, because we, we, you don't have much time to think. No. And, and I think there's two things that you brought to mind here with that is that, number one, it's like, hey, you don't have much time to think, so you just pull out what you have, and that's what we use. Mm. And number two is, I mean, it's it's probably not so relevant nowadays because people don't have that thought in their minds, but because you're talking about B-sides, we always sort of thought of B-sides, well, you know, that here's the lead song on the A-side, and the B-side, mm, you know, we can be a little bit more radical because, you know, that's not the important song. They're all important, but it's not the most important song that we're trying to put out because we're not... No, we, we grew up with uh, B-sides were usually the instrumental track yeah. of the A-side. Yeah, that's right. It, it was the B-side, was always the A-side, songs vocal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a different beast and it allowed us, I mean, we had, we had a point that was it. It was like, okay, well, what do you fancy playing? Well, I'm, I'm just going to play the spoons on this, this track. Yeah. That's what I got in my pocket. I love the way you said, uh, well, every, all, all areas are covered. Oh, there's a vibraphone. Yeah. Right. Um, B sides that ended up as A sides. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Well, the first single we ever put out, which was, you know, Killing Arab and uh, Tim 15, we had to put it out as double A side because we were like, we don't know really which one's going to, you know, it was our first record, so what do we know? Well, that's very that's very Beatles. I think the Beatles put out, was it Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane? Yeah, yeah. Was only a double A side and also a double picture sleeve, like it, as a 45. It was um, full colour as well. Um, let me see. Let's go back through my memory banks. And I think Peekaboo, uh, which was the Leeds track off Peep Show, yeah. Peekaboo itself was a song we could, just could not make it fit into anything. We couldn't figure out how to play the thing. We knew how it started. And it's, Is that the one with the accordion? In it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, and it's got yeah. crazy loud drums, but it's got this kind right. of sucking noise, which is, and the whole beginning of the track was um, the brass section from a song from a track on a previous album uh, reversed. And we had this cassette with that reverse brass section on it, which was called, because the song originally was Gun, <laughs> our cover of John Cale's Gun. And so it was called the Derringer Reversal. Get it? 
like the gun backwards. I thought you were going to say Nung. 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 It was Nung. No, I had this this cassette. I still have it. It's with Derringer Reversal written on it, and it's that... Sorry, guys, that's my vocal interpretation. But it's interesting that we tried playing it as a band and we tried twisting it about and switching it around. And it wasn't until we got one night in the, the, you know, we'd got a lot of the Peep Show recorded that we thought, why don't we just pull this one together? We're going to need a B-side anyway, so let's see what we and And it really came together and we thought, this probably says it's actually, it's risen right to the top, right to the top of the pile. It's very funny, isn't it? Because you and I have been been recording, as they say, we've been recording. And um, that's kind of the approach we've had on most of the the tracks. It's funny, before before we came on the air, (laughs) but before we came on there, Uh we were talking about the difference between, and, and we've both had this experience, of playing somebody else's songs, you know, being invited along to play somebody else's songs. And they go, oh, it's not quite like that. Could you just play that? Uh, not that not that sound there, but then I need you to play like right. double time in that bit there because it's, you know. And, and I was thinking, uh, we I never knew, our, we never knew our own songs as well as we probably, <laughs> as other people expect you to learn their songs. Um, because it was always looking for, that moment of, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but that sounded really great, and everybody reacted and responded. And I think that's a big key to how we wrote and how we performed. And the uh, other the other one is something that somebody said to me in last year. They said they, they had listened to one of the, the Cure's remasters that had a whole lot of extra stuff on it, you know, with, with like demo versions of songs and things. And they're like... I am freaking out because there's a completely different melody on this song than it, it ended up with. I mean, how did you do that? And uh, to me, you know, and I, I don't wish to make anybody, you know, feel bad about this, but to us, it was kind of second nature. We, we'd just fling something in that one time and think, oh, that's okay. But then next week we might fling something else in it and work better, you know. And and it it happens because you fling that first thing in, whether it's a bit of rhythm or it's a melody or or it's some kind of progression. You throw it in, and it kind of works. And you live with it for a few days, and you play it at home, and then you think eh, maybe I take that part of it and I extrapolate our favorite word on on curious creatures. We love extrapolation. We extrapolate it. And you make something else different with it. So that's that's the thing about creativity. It's not bound by um, rules. It's a good way to end, uh, a good <laughs> quote to end on this little session. Yeah. I think we shall revisit yeah. this. I think we yeah. should revisit B-sides, oddments. Odds and sods. Basement tapes, yes. odds and sods. Let's come back to it at a future date. Join us again on Curious Creatures. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web 
and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.